You might have clapped with great enthusiasm because you're glad to be a Christian and you're happy that you're here and you're happy Jesus is the Lord of your life. Some of you may be clapping by faith because your world is not really where you want it to be right now. How many of you know if you just continue to give God a chance, He will work it out for you. If you won't quit on Him, He won't quit on you. You know, though He may not turn it around in a day, give Him time. Please give him a day or two, a week or two. Give him time. Because when you team up with God, I promise you, team victory, baby. You're going to win every time, okay? When you team up with the Georgia Bulldogs, we're going to lose. If you team up with the Atlanta Falcons, you're going to lose. Even when it looks like you're going to win, you're still going to lose. My point is, guys, when we team up with things in the world, you guys know it, I know it, you will get let down. Okay? It's going to happen. But I can promise you this, that if you'll team up with Jesus, you will win 100% of the time. But you've got to team up with Him. You can't say you're on the team and then make your own plays. This is for somebody in this room right now. I'm not just speaking, okay? This is something that's coming out right now. You're making up your own plays in life. You're making up your own rules. You're actually making up your own game. And the problem is that won't work. He knows best, you don't. Amen? Would everybody agree? He's got us on the knowledge side a little bit more than we do. Even though we think we're smart, and some of you husbands and wives, I know y'all may battle over that sometimes. Let me just let you know, you're both. Compared to God, we lack a lot, okay? So, I mean, guys, look, let's get in the game, let's stay in the game, and let's give God a shot, okay? Because what I'm going to share today, guys, is going to be a little bit challenging, but I believe if we'll grab hold of it, it'll help us know how good God is, okay? Because this is a topic that was not handpicked for anybody in the room today. So if you're here today, don't think, well, the preacher just knew I was here, so he's going to preach on this. No, no, no. I don't do that, okay? Because your relationship with Jesus is your relationship with Jesus. I'm not a preacher that's going to tell you how to live or how not to live. That's not my goal. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Now, if you come ask me, well, then I'll tell you. But I'm not going to sit up here and use my platform to preach against people that are doing wrong. It's a personal relationship. And everybody in this room is at different walks in their walk with God. Everybody. Your relationship with God is different than my relationship with God. Okay? That don't make me better or you better. It just means we're walking with God and it takes time. It's a development process. And it will be that way for, for as long as we're on this earth. Okay? So when you see somebody that's doing what you used to do, what do you do? You help them get through it. You don't go, my dear God, man, they ain't over that yet. That's crazy. What's up with them people, man? They should know better. I mean, my God, man, man, my kids would never act like that. That's crazy. I don't even think them, they, do they even discipline their kids? No, 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 no. Don't look down, okay? Help up, all right? So with that being said, last week we started a new series called One Minute After You Die. And we talked about the judgments. There was a couple different judgments we'll all face, not all of us, but we'll face one, the lost people will face another. you got the great white throne judgment, which is kind of designed for those that say no to Jesus. And then you got the, the, the judgment seat of Christ, which kind of talks about us as followers of Christ, that we will be judged, not based on our sins, but based on the work and activity we did after we got saved. Okay, Because you don't get saved by works, but your works do define who you're serving. You follow me? There's people that get saved and then they go out there and they look like the world. What's that? That ain't no good. We got a lot of that going on. 
Oh, no, I got Jesus. And then they look and act and talk like the world. No, that's called a false conversion. That's not a real conversion. A real conversion, and I can speak of what I know because I was that guy that did the bunch of junk stuff that was lost, didn't know God. I mean, I was not raised in a godly home. I was raised in a drug-infested, drinking, partying, dope-smoking, wild, crazy atmosphere, okay? And I thought when you died, you just died. You just fell in the dirt. So I lived like it too, brothers and sisters, I promise you. It was all about today. I'm going to do what I, it feels good, okay? But the reality is, is once I begin to know that there is something ahead of me, it scared me how I was living. You know, I woke up and said, man, I don't need to be doing this no more. So I'm not down on that. I came from a really rough background. But when I met Jesus, guys, he took cussing out of me. He took a lot of evil things out of me right then when I said yes to Jesus in a living room, I might add. Not in a church, in a living room. I mean, there was things that just instantly stopped. Now, did everything straighten out? No, and it won't happen with you. It's a process. But that day, there were some things took out of me that, man, and I was a cusser. Anybody know a cusser? Are you a cusser? Anybody know a cusser? Okay, I was a professional cusser. I mean, man, there's people that cuss, and you look and go, wow, that don't sound bad. It kind of flowed, you know? Uh, I mean, really. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, you go to some movies, and the guy you heard cussing all the while in the last movie you saw, you think, wow, he didn't cuss. He don't sound bad. Eddie Murphy was my guy. I loved Eddie Murphy and all those Beverly Hill cop movies. I mean, man, he could cuss, and it was like, it was like, wow, that really flows. So when he started doing some of these, what was it, some of the kid movies, I'm going, nah, bro, Shrek ain't you, bro. That donkey, the donkey's you, but you know what I mean? That, you, ain't, you ain't cussing. You need to be cussing, man. You know what I'm saying? So I was that guy. So when there is a conversion that happens and you meet Jesus, there will be change. There will be change. Not totally, but there will be change in your life. Hallelujah. So today we're going to talk about something uh, that uh, we're going to talk about the righteousness of a holy God. Woo! Hallelujah! Yeah! Oh, man! Yes! Oh, I thought it was going to be bad. And then we're going to also talk about the indescribable horrors of hell. Woo! Hallelujah! <laughs> we're going to talk about hell. We're going to talk about some hell today. Okay? Are you all ready? Well, let's pray before we start talking about hell, all right? Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and I just thank you over the next few minutes, Father, that we, we listen to your word. We let your word touch our hearts, Father God, that we don't preach our ideas. We don't preach our thoughts, Father God. We preach your word. And I pray for every single person in here that we hear the spirit of love that's behind every word, Father God, that you're a God of love. You're not a God of condemnation and, and hate. Uh, but you're a God of love. And we just pray that the, as this message goes forth, that, Father, our hearts will be challenged as followers of Christ, as those that may not be following Christ will be drawn to you, Father God, that this is not a message to make anybody feel bad, but it's a message to lift us up and know that, that we do have eternity waiting on us and that it's so important that we choose the right thing. So I just pray that your spirit would flow today and touch every heart in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Hallelujah. Well, today... We're going to be talking about something, and you think, why should we talk about hell? Because a lot of organizations have kind of dismissed this topic. They don't really talk about hell, okay? They don't want to do that because it just, it's just not, you know, they want to preach a message that's kind of drawing and graceful and all that, that we kind of stay away from hell. But the reality is, is if we don't talk about hell, we never appreciate the good news of the gospel of Jesus. If you don't realize that there's a payment for your problem or your, your, your situation, if you're not going to pay for your actions, then guess what? You really, the good news of the gospel is not that good anymore. 
It's just, it's just news, per se. So we need to see and know the reality of hell. That way we understand the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, and like I said, my experience in this is I was a, I was a kid uh, that grew up in a very drug-infested, uh, self-centered home without God. There was no God ever mentioned in our house, uh, you know, unless it was followed by the word damn. Okay. I mean, we had a lot of that going on, still do today. Uh, but that was basically the extent of our God that we heard about. Uh, I did go to a, uh, you know, the Baptist, thank God for the Baptist. They got buses that ride around and grab everybody. And the, the church we went to had a gym. So what does little kids want to do? They want to go play basketball. So I did go, you know, be a part of a, uh, a church that was, you know, do that right there, pick me up. But my house was not. Divorced home at an early age. It was tough, man. Mom over here, dad over here. The only good thing about it, I had two birthdays, two Christmases. That was good. But other than that, it was the fight and the feud and all the drugs on both sides. We didn't get a break. My dad hit it. My mom didn't, okay? She was very outward about it, you know? Uh, and there was a lot of things we saw as a kid you shouldn't see. Um, but I remember when I turned 17 is when I began to start drinking and partying and doing things that really no, nobody needs to do, okay? It didn't bring no fruit in my life. But at the time, I thought that was the way to do it. I mean, my mom and dad did it. Why not go ahead and continue to do it, you know, keep the heritage going you know what I'm saying I mean we don't want to break this thing you know but I remember that there was times that I would be so drunk that I would pass people in a car around a curve and go around them at night mind you not knowing what's on the other side as I go around that curve very fast those things didn't bother me at the time but when I met Jesus and I began to learn about heaven and hell I began to go wow man his hand was on my life I could have easily have slipped into hell just like that, one stroke, and thought I was okay because at this point I thought I was just going to die and go to the ground. Has anybody ever thought about that? You know, you thought, well, when I die, they're just going to dig a hole, put me in, that's it, it's over. No more. That's what I thought. I had no basis of eternity. So with that being in mind, when I started going to church, and it took me about four months before I gave my heart to Jesus, well, I began to start hearing about hell. I began to start hearing about heaven, and I'm so glad I did because that's what really stirred me up to go, man, and I think that's the first initial door you walk in. You go, man, I don't want to go to hell, okay, so let me get saved. Well, God gets you in with that, okay, and then he begins to teach you about everything else in life because hell is not, is not what we should be focused on after we become a Christian because there's so much more God wants to do in our lives. But what you believe about eternity determines how you live today. What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. i got a few stats here. 74% um, 74 of Americans believe in heaven. Especially, man, I'm telling you, that's, I mean, you're born, you're going to heaven <laughs> in America. You know, everybody's going to heaven just about. Only 4 in 10 believe those that reject Christ will spend eternity in hell. And a half of 1% people believe they are personally going to hell. You probably ain't going to find too many people that if you was to ask, hey, man, if you died right now, where would you go, heaven or hell? Oh, hell, <laughs> hell, I'm going to hell. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Very rare you're going to find that because y'all probably heard this question, why would God send a good person to hell? Why would a loving God send people to hell? And we're going to deal with that today right there and some other stuff too. But in Matthew 7, check this out in Matthew 7, verse 13. Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, 
and there are few who find it. I like what the easy to read says. Uh, it puts it a little bit different, but it says, You can enter true life only through the narrow gate. The gate to hell is very wide, and there is plenty of room on the road that leads there. Many people go that way, but the gate that opens the way to true life is narrow, and, and the road that leads there is hard to follow, and only a few people find it. Those are some strong words from the Master. And if anybody knows anything about going down the right road, it would be God manifested in the flesh in the name of Jesus Christ, right? He's given us a picture of it's not impossible to go to heaven. He's just saying in the world that we live in, there's so many more people that are on that, that wide road. Amen? But the wide road that leads to destruction, because a wide road is a lot easier to stay on than a narrow road. I mean, have y'all seen those people that kind of walk that tightrope, you know, across something? How many of you know it takes a little bit more focus if you're crossing a Grand Canyon to really focus on staying on that, that thing, okay, like this right here? It's kind of narrow, all right? But if they had an eight-lane highway going across the Grand Canyon, oh, man, what's up, Doc? You know, we just chill out, no big deal, fall down, you know, crawl, roll over, you know, whatever. You wouldn't, it wouldn't be that hard to get across the Grand Canyon. Well, that's really what Jesus is wanting us to get a mindset of, is that, look, if you're going to walk this road, it's going to take His grace and mercy and you staying focused on Him and His direction and His GPS system to get to the other side. This is not a you just come, you receive Jesus, and then boom, put Him in your back pocket and then you go live your life. No, that's, that's, that's phony baloney stuff, okay? And I want as far away from those people as possible because when I came to Jesus, I laid my life down at His foot. And I said, I don't want that Nathan no more. Uh-uh, I'm done with that dude. I want the new Nathan. I want what you give me, Jesus. And that meant me saying yes then. It meant me saying yes later. It meant me saying yes today to his way, not my way. He paid the price. I didn't. I just gave him my life. Amen? And I'm going to tell you, it's the greatest joy of my life. Living for Jesus is fun, guys, if you do it right. You can have a smile on your face. And guess what? I screw up like everybody in this room. Two hands up in the air. Mr. Screw up right here. I do. I mess up. But you know the difference between me and a lot of people? is I get up and I look at my Jesus in the face and I say, Jesus, forgive me. I messed up. I call it what it is. I don't sit there and sugarcoat it, kind of put it in the closet, sweep it under the rug, act like it's no big deal. No, no, I messed up because my heart's telling me I messed up. There's no sense in this sitting around and thinking about it. I messed up. Let's get it right. And man, every time I do, I feel like crap for a few hours <laughs> or maybe even a day. But I know that if I'll stick with my Jesus, those feelings and emotions, they will change. I, they will change. But I can tell you, the moment I pray and ask God to forgive me, that sin's gone. Now, obviously, sometimes you feel a little bad, but that's, you just got to press on through that. But guys, if I was the devil, if I was the devil, my plan would be is to maybe try to convince people there is no hell. Or if I can't do that, maybe if I just made it to where they didn't think it was that big of a deal. If I was the devil, just convince people there's no hell. Make them think it's not that big a deal. Not that big a deal. If he could convince you there is no hell, then you would, now if you was an unbeliever, you would live however you want. You would justify your sin, you would reject Christ, and you would have no fear of God in your life at all. And that's where sinners are today. They live footloose and fancy free. Could care less what's going on. 
I mean, there's sometimes they feel like something's wrong, but they don't care. Heck, it's, you know, hey, look, it's get your own. Have a good time while you can. God put all this stuff down here to enjoy. We might as well enjoy it. Now, for a believer, it would be, again, him saying, don't take it serious. Put it on the back burner. And if he could push hell to the back of believers, especially those who've been serving God for a while. You know, it's amazing when you first get on, you know, saved, you're on fire for Jesus. But after about 20 years, we start losing our fire and passion. That's what I was telling her today. I mean, I've been serving God for 30 years. And you know, one of the things that I feel like that I've let slip is my fire and passion. Now, you look at me here and you think, really? Huh? What? You seem like you fired up about Jesus. And I am fired up about Jesus. But I'm talking about, I used to tell everybody about Jesus. I mean, I did. I was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you came on a job site, we were, I was gearing this conversation. We were going to talk about Jesus. You know, and that same passion just hadn't been there like I want it to be. I'm human. I'm human. And my point is, is I need this message just like you do. Because we should be sharing our faith on a regular basis. And I do share my faith. I don't want y'all to think I don't, okay? It's not like I'm a, you know, a, a smoking log over in the corner, man, it stinks. And No, I share my faith. It's just I want to be able to get back to that first love like I did. You know, but we would as believers, if he could get hell on the backside, we'd live self-centered lives. We'd idolize comfort. We would reject sacrifice. We'd avoid persecution. We'd live, love the things of this world, and we would readily share our faith in Jesus. So why does hell exist? I'm going to give you two reasons why hell exists, okay? Two reasons why hell exists. There's many reasons, but these two I think are going to be the ones we need to talk about. Number one, hell exists for God to deal righteously with Satan. How many of you know there's going to be a great day when Satan is removed? And he gets what's due to him. Amen. I will not shed a tear when that joker gets what he's done. Because I'm going to tell you, everybody in this room, you've been affected by his work. Some of us have, have, have seen God bring us out. Some of y'all are still in it. And you need to come out. And thank God we serve a God that can bring you out. Amen. But sometimes when you think about, maybe not here, but sometimes when you talk about Satan, our image, and I know for me, and I've been saved for a while, I'll think about you know, the devil with a, you know, a pitchfork. Red suit on. <laughs> you know, sometimes you get that image with the horns and stuff like that. But the devil is the embodiment of all evil, guys. He is the embodiment. He's just, he is evil. <laughs> he is behind every addiction, abuse, fear, pain, shame. He is called in the Bible the destroyer, the deceiver, a dragon, dark angel, serpent, father of lies, prince of darkness, angel of the abyss. Is any of those names of people, of friends of yours that, that they had, you would go, wow, I want to hang out with that person. You're a deceiver. Could we please get together? You're the prince. Oh, I love that word, of darkness. Yeah, let's get together. No, nobody in their right mind would sign up to go, yeah, I want to have that group as my friends. None of that. But do you think that the devil comes to each one of us looking like that? No, no absolutely not. He comes dressed up in fine linen sometimes and, and really eloquent words. The Bible calls him an angel of light sometimes. And he throws that bait out there. Boo, boo. And he just starts reeling you in. Now, he may not get it the first time, but a good fisherman, he ain't throwing his line out there one time. He's going to keep throwing. He's going to keep throwing. He's looking for that fish. And when he catches it, what's he do? Reels it in. The devil's the same way, guys. He don't play fair. He don't care about you at all. 
He comes to steal your joy, kill your faith, destroy your health, take your money, crush your marriage, and take your kids. That's his goal and more. I mean, I can't list it all. We'll be here for a while, okay? He's here to steal, kill, and destroy our life. Revelation 20.10 tells us this right here. It says, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire. Hallelujah! <laughs> and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. But until that day, we have a responsibility. It's to throw him in the lake of fire of your own personal life. Get him out of your stuff. And the good news is Jesus didn't save you only. He equipped you to be able to tell the devil to get out of your family. Stay away from your money. Stay away from your marriage. Stay away from your career. Stay away from your stuff. You have that power and ability. Well, Nathan, I've said that, man, and it just hadn't changed. What did I say at the beginning? We got to give God time. You got to give Him time, guys. And if you'll give Him time, I promise you, He will turn it around. He will turn it around every single time. I promise you guys. I'm telling you, man, we've seen God do that in our own life and in the lives of ones in here. And I could put the microphone in people's face right now and you could tell things that God turned around in your life. Stay standing. Keep standing. If it's a fight you want, devil, it's a fight you're going to get. I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. People ain't my problem. You are my problem. And I've got authority over you in the name of Jesus. And you don't have to stay. Well, man, I've been battling this for all my life. It's just something I've been dealing with all my life. You ain't got to deal with nothing. Jesus already dealt with it. Brothers and sisters, you've got to rise up and know greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You say we're world overcomers. There's nothing we can't overcome. So this ain't a devil glorifying message. I hope you can see that. Hallelujah. I hope I can finish this because I hate that guy. I hate him with a passion. Number two, number one, hell exists to deal with Satan righteously. Number two, hell exists for God to deal righteously with unbelievers. And this is where it gets complicated in the eyes of non-believers and believers. They'll say, hey man, it just ain't fair. How can, how can he send good people to hell? How can a loving God send people to hell? Has anybody ever heard that question? Man, if God was really love, how could he send people to a place that you're describing? Has anybody ever heard that? Shake your head. Okay, we all have, right? I mean, if he love, if he's love, he, I mean, he wouldn't send somebody there, okay? Well, let's look and see what God's heart is in this. 2 Peter 3, 9. It says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, or promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should what? Perish. But that all should come to what? Repentance. There is a repentance that's just got to happen, guys. That's got to happen. The truth is, God has nothing to do with you going to heaven or hell. Nothing to do with it. Nada. Zero. Going to heaven or going to hell is your choice. I just wanted to do that for Nairobi. <laughs> he said, Nathan, you've got to quit getting close to that thing. I feel like you're going to fall off. <laughs> But seriously, guys, it is our, it's our choice. Sometimes you just got to laugh, you know, when you're talking about heaven and hell. <laughs> Take a lab break. Because really, guys, this life is a heaven or hell issue. And it's, it's very important, guys. But God is not sending nobody to hell. We choose where we go. People think that God 
should let them in heaven no matter what they have done on earth. But we become indignant about injustice on earth saying someone needs to pay. Think about that for a minute. We have this idea or ideology that we should stand before God and not do what he's asked us to do, not give our hearts to Jesus, and then we stand before him and we act like, no, nobody should have to pay for what I've done wrong or rejecting Jesus. That, that's, you know, God, you need to let me in no matter what. But by God, if something goes on earth injustice-wise, Lord Jesus, Facebook explodes. Marchings come out. We're on. Okay, we're going to tell everybody, this is wrong. They need to pay. Well, guys, <laughs> it's the same way with your eternal destination. There's a payment that had to be paid. Thank God Jesus paid it. But you've got to say yes to Jesus. If you don't say yes to Jesus, then what are you saying yes to? Okay, I mean, just think about that as we go through this message. Some people argue for God of love, mercy, grace without justice. People today want to remake God in their own image so we can live any way we want to. Not going to work out good. When you try to create a God in your own image, that's called idolatry. And that image that you create, I can promise you, will not meet your needs, will not bless you. <laughs> he will be just like you, a failure. There's only one way, and it's the narrow way, guys. Hallelujah. Sometimes we have the idea that we can sin, and God's just going to wink at it and say there's no big deal. It is impossible for God to be holy without being just. It is impossible for God to love without being just. He's a just God. He's a loving God. 2 Thessalonians tells us this. It says, He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. On the day He comes to be glorified in His holy people and to be marveled at among all those who have believed. There's coming a day, guys, that again, like I told you, my job is to get you ready for the court date. If you guys had got a ticket and you had done something wrong, how many of you know they put a court date on the ticket? And as the court date approaches, guess what? You, you're going to be at that court date. Like, I just got a ticket. The pastor. And what I'm about to tell you is even worse. <laughs> just be real. You just got to be real, okay? Well, there's four lanes, and then there's a turning lane. Well, the bus, school bus, I might add, he's over there. I'm way over here. Well, I'm thinking, got to stop sign out, but everybody's going over here. Hey, I might as well keep going. And don't do that. Now, if they got trees and they got a carnival going on in the middle of the road, you can do that. But if it's all pavement, you don't do that. The stinking bus had a camera on it. Took a picture of my car. <laughs> and the tag. And sent the pictures developed in the mail with a bill that says $250. I'm going, are you kidding me? I mean, what idiot would take a picture of me when I'm running the stop sign, man? Come on, who would get somebody? Click, 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 click. I mean, really? Come on, man. But there was a price to pay. And I took it all the way to the deadline. But I knew if I didn't have it paid, and of course, who's sitting with me when I'm paying this fine? Belinda's sitting with me at this moment and just really giving me the fourth and fifth degree, hallelujah. Nathan, really? Really? I mean, you know, Dave Ramsey, all this is coming up. But the reality is, if I did not make that payment, how many of you know what would have happened? Payment. There would have been judgment, and it might not have been good. And it's the same thing with our eternal destiny. 
This is not a fun, fun topic to talk about, guys, but the reality is if we don't talk about it, we never appreciate the goodness of the, of the gospel. So I'm getting ready to read you a story. This is going to be a glimpse of hell, guys, in the Bible. It's the only place recorded in the Bible. It's about 12 or 13 verses. I'm going to read through it pretty quick, but I want you all to just see a glimpse of hell. I believe it was recorded for us, okay, to be able to, to get a picture of this. This is the rich man and Lazarus. And anytime Jesus would name somebody in something he was talking about, that was not a uh, parable. That was not a made-up story. All his parables he would use as uh, stories to illustrate a biblical principle, okay? They really were just kind of made-up stories, if you will. This one's not made up. This is calling out names, and it's real. So Luke 16, 19, it says, There was a rich man. This is Jesus talking now, the Son of God. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. Do we have any of those people today? Absolutely. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Do we have people like that today? That's still going on today, right? The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades where he was in torment. Now stop right here. Hades is, is not the lake of fire, which I'll talk about in a minute. Hades is a waiting place for those that have rejected Jesus on this side of heaven. You go to a waiting place. Just like if you know Jesus and you die, you go to what we talked about last week, paradise. You go to a place that's being prepared for you to, to be in heaven, but we're not quite in heaven. We go to a place of, of preparation or before we actually go to hell or we go to heaven. So in Hades, where he was in torment, the rich man, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in, I'm in agony in this fire. This is actually going on, people, okay? But Abraham replies, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you're in agony. And besides all of this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Well, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. How many people have died without Jesus that may be right here with this guy? Oh, man, please, please go tell my family. They don't need to be a part of this. I don't want to see anybody come here. Could that be the picture of all the people that have died without Jesus? Could that be the song or that could be the words they're all echoing, trying to get help up here because they know it's bad down there? Then Abraham said this. He said, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them, meaning that they have pastors and teachers. They have uh, people that are serving me in today's language, okay? Because ain't neither one of these cats still, you know, I mean, <laughs> Moses ain't around, right? So we're not listening to Moses, okay? But he still has people and messengers that are bringing forth the gospel. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. That's the case today. You may listen to somebody that died and went to hell and came back and man is preaching all over the world. And that may touch you for a while, just like 9-11 touched the heart of America for a little while. 
They said churches were busting out the seams in numbers that were record the day after 9-11. Why? It shook them to the core. And they began to look for hope. They looked for help. But then over time, the deceiver, the destroyer, eases everybody back into comfort, complacency. Hallelujah. So Hades is a temporary place without God. Then you'll be later thrown in hell. Last week, we talked about Christians. Christians, when we're absent from the body, will be present with the Lord. How many of you know present with the Lord is better than where you're at right now? That means if you have loved ones that died with Christ, I can guarantee you, you ain't got enough money to pay them to come back. No, no matter how great you are, it don't matter. They are on the, I'm telling you, when I go to the other side, don't you ever. Don't you pray. Uh-uh-uh. I'm there. Uh-uh. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was a little shorter than I would have needed to. But baby, let me stay running. Hallelujah. I'm there. Woo! Hallelujah, man. I made it. Amen. It's an exciting day. Glory to God. Without Jesus, being absent from the body is the beginning of suffering. We start to see a glimpse of hell, a place of unspeakable torment, a fiery furnace, total darkness, burning sulfur, gnashing of teeth, separated from God. Some people say, I will party when I go to hell. Have you heard that one? Man, I can't wait till we go to hell. We're going to have a party down there. Well, it didn't sound like they were partying right there in that story. So I don't know who you're talking to, but I can tell you right now, if anybody's telling you that, again, get as far away from them as you can. Seriously. That's ignorance. You think I'm going to base my eternity on somebody that's saying, oh, man, we're going to party when we get to hell. Woo, woo. Oh, yeah, you jacked up, bud. <laughs> Sorry. Now, I felt that way before I met Christ. Hallelujah. I mean, let's do it. Let's party. Of course they're going to party when they get to hell. But it's, it's, it's false. It's not real. Amen. Hallelujah. The reality hell will be a place of isolation, outer darkness, no light, no hope, eternal separation from a loving God, never-ending pain. The angel said this to John in Revelation 20.10. He said that the devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, the beast and the false prophet, where they are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Now you drop down five verses. Now look at this next group. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into what? The lake of fire. Now friend, I can tell you right now, I'm a daddy of five kids. And there's nothing that breaks my heart more is to see my kids suffer. It hurts. And if you're a parent in here and you got kids watching your child suffer, that is painful, my friend. It is not joy. And if you ever have the image that God in heaven is going to be up there as this great big bad judge and he's going to be getting his thrill when he sees his people he created go to hell and burn, you're wrong. His heart will ache. He is hating to see this day come. He wants everybody. We just read it. He don't want none to perish. He wants everybody to come to repentance. But my question is, why would you not want to serve a loving God that loves you so much He gave His Son for you? Why? What would compel you not to jump in? Man, when I heard this, I couldn't get enough. And I was a sinner. Sinner. Okay? I had sinner buddies. Buddies that were like, Nathan, don't do that right now. No, man, no, 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 don't do that right now. We're having too much fun, Nathan. And we was. We was having some fun, <laughs> okay? But I found something that was way better. Coffee. <laughs> Hallelujah. I figured I could just get high on coffee. And, man, Christians like to eat like crazy. I mean, it's like, man, we're going to get together. Oh, man, what we got to eat? 
Forget about what we're going to talk about as long as we got some grub. You know what I'm saying? So I felt like, man, I'm in good company. You drink coffee. You get to eat everywhere you go. You're eating after every service. And back then, we was going to church three times a week, okay? So we was eating all the time. It was fun, man. Oh, my gosh, man. Golden Corral. Man, I ate there so much, I should have bought stock in that place, man. <laughs> Glory to God. So we want our name in the book of life. Hell is a nonstop, eternal fire, torture, suffering, and unending pain. What if the devil had a billboard on 75 that was advertising his place for you, his destination? What if he could have real-time commercials designed to let everybody know that if you'll live for him, this is where you get to go? And he had people back in the back screaming and hollering, burning flames, maybe even just grabbing them and just tossing them in. Woo! This is fun. You're going to burn in hell. Hey, don't you want to come? No. That don't sell. Just like the beer commercial ain't going to show you the uh, mother and father uh, of three kids that was wrapped around a telephone pole because they were so drunk they couldn't see. Or the teenagers that was riding down the road having the pate, drinking their liquor, taking it easy, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're dead. See, we don't advertise that. What do they advertise? Come on, baby. Give me another one. Fill it up, baby. It's fun. Well, I'm telling you guys, that's the way the enemy operates. He advertises something, but he can't deliver because all those people, and I was one of them that drank till I was so drunk, I would wake up underneath a Corvette outside. You know, marijuana, Jim Beam, and Golden Grain. Those three are deadly poison. And when you mix them all three together, the recipe is you're outside in the rain. I remember falling and couldn't stop myself. I mean, I'm falling. I knew I was falling. Nobody's helping. Bam! I hit the ground. But we're having fun. Oh, man, this is awesome. Then you wake up the next day and you want to eat, but you, you're so sick. I promise I will never do this again. By that night, we're drinking again. I mean, really? <laughs> That's what the enemy tries to sell us. Since I've been saved, Katie, I've not thrown up because of my salvation. I've actually prospered. I've actually gotten to marry one of the beautifulest and one of the sweetest women on the planet that I don't deserve. I still look in the mirror and say, I don't deserve, but I thank God I got it. I got a great job. He's providing all my needs. He's beating all my, I mean, he's, pay, he's doing everything for me. I'm his favorite child. Y'all are, are looking at God's favorite child right here. Y'all look at me. Y'all want a selfie? And he said, God's favorite child. Hashtag God's favorite child. No, you're God's favorite child too. Everybody in this room, you're God's favorite child. And he loves you. He loves you. It is also considered a land of no more hell. No more beauty, no more laughter, no more peace, no more friendship, joy, hope, or second chances. I want to give you four lessons from the other side that I see in this story. Number one, the rich man was fully conscious and aware. That means he had his memory. He was in pain. And I think the biggest thing that he faced was regret. Regret that he had an opportunity to give his life to God and he didn't do it. Number two, the rich man's eternal destiny was irrevocably fixed. He couldn't do nothing about it. The rich man knew that his suffering was just. Did you notice that he complained about the pain, but he never complained about the injustice? Did you notice that in the story? God, this ain't fair. Why am I in hell? Why is this? You notice that there was none of that going on. 
He didn't even bring that up. So he knew that he was there and he deserved to be there. So God is fair. He is fair. Number four, the rich man begged and pleaded for someone to help his brothers know Jesus. Why are we talking about hell and the torment of it? What you believe about eternity determines how you live today. Guys, you and I are going to die one day. I know that's not, and we're not going to preach on this all the time. I'm not going to get up here and say that a lot, but you will die. You're going to leave this earth. And it's crucial, the decisions you make on this side of heaven. Is God asking for everybody to be perfect? No. No. We can't. It's just, it's, it's unattainable. But by God, we can try. And we can listen to Jesus. And we can do what he tells us to do. Everybody in this room, God has told you to do something. And we've, we, we failed to do it. Does that mean God's mad at you? Mm-mm. He's going to keep chasing you. He's going to keep loving you. He's going to keep working with you. But the minute you'll turn to him and say, God, help me, watch it. Things are going to change. Hallelujah. If I was the devil, I would convince you there is no hell. Don't take it seriously. Why would God send good people to hell? The reality is, guys, in our own self, we're not good. None of us are good. The cold, hard truth that apart from Jesus, everybody in this room, you have an evil heart. You were born with an evil heart. And if you don't believe me, just look at little babies. Do you have to teach kids to do wrong? Was anybody in this room ever taught to do wrong? Now, I might have been showing some tricks. You know, there's a little art sometimes to it. I mean, you can really add a little something to it. But my point is, I didn't have to be taught how to do wrong. It came natural. We're always teaching people to do what? Do good. Do things that are right. So the reality is, is if you tried to bring that before God, come on, man. <laughs> really? Look in the rearview mirror of your life and be honest. Are you really that good? <laughs> I mean, really? No, no, we're not. Apart from Christ, we're not that good. We need to recognize this about God. God is holy and just. Because He is just, He must punish sin. God not only is a just judge, He, he is also love. God loves you and me more than we can imagine. And I'm getting ready to read you some scriptures as we close that I hope define who God really is. I know we've looked at the bad side of this situation, and it's pretty tough. And I don't want anybody to go to hell no more than God wants them to go to hell. But the reality is you'll be judged based on what you do, not me. Okay? Remember, your salvation is not between me and you. Just like your giving to this church is not between me and you. Your serving at this church is not between me and you. It's between you and a God who gave His Son to die for you that you may have life. That's what it's between. I'm just trying to be a navigator or, or a taxi driver. I'm just trying to be a, a presenter of the truth till we all can walk in. And I know those were horrible examples of what I wanted to say, but you know what? It's, it's okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. But John 3.16 says this. For God, and I'm going to read out the Amplified, so it's going to be a little bit bigger here. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that He even gave His one and only begotten Son so that whoever believes and trusts in Him as Savior shall not perish but have eternal life. He did that for you, man. He did that for me. He didn't have to do that, but He chose to. 
Romans 6.23 tells us that for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God, that is His remarkable, overwhelming gift of grace to believers is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5.8 says this, But God clearly shows and proves His own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Therefore, since we have not been justified, declared free of guilt of sin by His blood, how much more certain is that we will be saved from the wrath of God through Him? Friend, the reality is, Jesus paid the price, or you're going to pay the price. And when you stand before the great judge, either you're going to be standing there with the one who paid the price for you, and you're going to present His paid price, to the judge of all earth? Or are you going to stand there in your own righteousness? And guess who's going to have to pay the price? In that case, you're going to have to pay the price. And it's a reality. I mean, I wish I could open the bottom of this church up right now and we'd have a glass bottom church. And everybody in this room could see the flames of hell and the horrors of hell and the screaming, hurting people that are already there. But I believe the reason why we can't is because we're called to have faith in Him. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. And some of this you're just going to have to grab by faith and believe that this is what. If, if God said it, I believe it, and that settles it, and we're going to go with this thing. Or you can do the alternative. You can say no to Christ, and you can die, and you can figure out for yourself. The choice is up to you. I know God would say, don't take that choice. Don't take that chance. Because the reality is, is if I served my whole life, Harry, and this was a big fairy tale, I can promise you, I'm happy with the life I lived. But if I live this whole life, and you live your whole life, and what I'm saying is true, and you chose not to receive Christ, you're going to be wishing it was a fairy tale. God loves you, people. He loves you. He loves you despite all your mess, all your mess-ups, all your junk. And He wants to help you. Again, when you receive Jesus, it's not that you become perfect. He wants to get in your mess with you. He wants to cry with you. He wants to help you out of these situations. He wants to help you through situations. God is a loving daddy. A daddy that will love you greater than any daddy you ever have on this earth. And some of y'all have some really good daddies. But I'm telling you, he's the best daddy of all. Jesus' death on the cross paid the price for our sins. It satisfied God's justice. But at the same time, displaying his amazing grace and unquenchable love for you and me. Jesus said, if a shepherd has 100 sheep and one gets away, he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Jesus didn't come for the righteous. He came for sinners. And He's coming for you. He will keep chasing you. He will keep chasing you. He will keep running after you till you turn to give Him your attention. It's the greatest turnaround you'll ever do. But you have to decide that. It's a decision you have to make. But I can tell you this, I was on this side of that decision for years, and now I'm on this side of the decision for years. Listen to me. I'm 52 years old. I've walked where some of you guys are walking right now. This is the greatest decision I ever made, is walking with Jesus. 
And the good thing about Jesus, He loves you even when you screw up. Man, He's a God that will help you back up. We're talking about a king, guys. We're not talking about some weak little, you know, creature over there. You know, no, we're talking about the king of kings that helps you up when you mess up. That's amazing. John 10.10 10 says this, that the thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. That means anything that's under those three categories is from the devil. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full, to the overflows. That's why we want people to know him. Not just to avoid hell, but to have eternal life, have his goodness, his grace and love. God wants all his kids with him. He is willing to keep chasing you until you turn and give your life to him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We just thank you for this day. Thank you for the words that you have given to us today. <clears throat> Father, I pray for all those that are here today that may be in the valley of decision. Should I say yes? Should I commit? Should I not commit? I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you touch their heart. That they would see their decision is between you and them. It's not between them and the church. And as everybody's got their head bowed and their eyes closed, guys, I want you just to think for a minute that if, if something was to happen today, and God forbid, we don't want that. We don't want that. But on average, they say that approximately 150 plus thousand people will die every day. That's almost two every second. So the reality is, is we're not getting out of here unless Jesus comes back, except we die. And we've already seen in the Bible that when you do that, man, that, that decision is eternal, man. It's set. So if you're here today, we're not going to call you out. We're not going to embarrass you. But if you're here today and you have never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want you to be bold and know that, guys, look, it's a journey. You may say, well, man, I'm just not good enough yet. I, I've got so many bad things in my life. I'm doing stuff I shouldn't be doing. Guys, that's the one he's calling. That's the one he wants. But first, you've got to humble yourself and realize that you need a Savior. So if that's you today, I just want you, everybody should be not looking around. You, your head should be bowed, eyes closed. We ain't looking. This ain't about embarrassing nobody. But if that's you today and you say, Nathan, I want to receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I just want you to put your hand up and then put it back down. Real simple. Be bold. Say, look, I want to receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you're here today and you say, Nathan, you know, I was walking with Jesus and I was really going after him, but I've kind of went my own way. I began to live my own life. And you say, man, I just want you to pray for me that my relationship with Jesus be restored today. If that's you, just raise your hand. Hallelujah. I see that hand. Just be bold. Hallelujah. I see that hand. I see both of those hands. All of them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, I just thank you for moving on the hearts of everybody. Hallelujah. Glory to God.
if everybody would go ahead and just stand together because those that raised your hand uh, you don't pray alone we're going to pray right with you okay we're going to pray with you because I can tell you what this is a loving church that will love you we will love the hell right out of you I'm just going to be honest with you I've been waiting all service to use that line but we will and I mean that in a very literal way we will this is a group of loving people man I'm telling you, they love, they love you. So those that raised your hand, man, <clears throat> I just want us all to join together, and I want us to pray with them, okay? Because something's about to happen in their own heart. And maybe you say, well, yeah, I wanted to raise my hand, but, you know, I didn't raise my hand. If you'll pray this prayer in faith, it ain't the prayer that saves you. It's the heart. It's the heart, okay? We're just letting our words identify what our heart's really saying, okay? So we're just going to pray, and we're going to believe that the Holy Spirit touches this right here. And if you'll do it in faith, I promise you, the, the day I gave my heart to Jesus, I literally felt Him go down in me and do a work in my heart. I can't explain it. I can't tell you how it all worked. But I know this. When we got done praying, I was a totally different guy. And I didn't change my clothes. I didn't do a, a different hairdo. It just something happened. So let's all, let's all just pray this. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I ask you to take my life and make it new. Help me, Jesus, live for you all the days of my life. I'm not perfect. I got mistakes. But Jesus, I ask you to be the Lord of my life right now in Jesus' name. And just lift up your hands and just thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for touching each and every one of these people. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for touching them. You know, if you're here today and you are experiencing sickness in your body, that means your body's experiencing some pain or sickness right now. I want to pray with you. And if that is you, I want you to come down here and we're going to pray with you. We're going to pray with you and believe God that He heal you right now. Hallelujah. Be bold. Glory to God. Hallelujah. How many of y'all just want to see a big turnaround in your life? Or how many of y'all just happy with how everything's going right now? I believe I'm in a room full of people that you do want to see a turnaround in your life. That you're not really happy with the direction it's going right now. And you want to see something happen different. I want you to be bold. And I want you to come up here and we're going to pray for you. Church is a church for people that can really get connected to God. Amen? It ain't about me. I'm not asking you to come up here for, for my good. I'm asking you to come up here because your father wants to love on you. And I think we need to make space. Go ahead and come on over here. Y'all line up here. Y'all help them out, guys. Hallelujah. Y'all just, y'all know how it works. Some of y'all been saved for 200 years. You know what I mean? Y'all know how it works. We're getting a line. Hallelujah. You know? We're working on getting all the ushers and everybody together. But you know what? We ain't quite there yet. We're working on it. So y'all usher yourself. Hallelujah. <laughs> to the glory of God. We're going to pray for you guys. And I believe you're going to be healed. I believe things are going to turn around. And I'm going to tell you right now, the chances of you really feeling something right now is probably going to be odd. It's going to be rare. Okay, You may not feel a thing. But I can tell you something. In the atmosphere, the spiritual atmosphere, things turn around. Things begin, start to go in a different direction. And what you're going to do after this day, Belinda, come up here with me. I, I look so much better with you here. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because we're going to pray for them. 
But what's going to happen here as we pray and things get turned around and they start going a different direction, what we're going to do is people that have asked God to turn it around, we're going to, we're going to blow the horn. And the train's going to start tracking, baby. Hallelujah. I like it. But I can tell you this, we're going to praise Him. I need you to commit to me. I need you to commit to me that you're going to turn off secular stuff. Okay? The stuff don't happen just by you getting prayed for. We're going to pray and we're going to release faith together, but I need you guys to commit to me that you're going to praise Him. You're going to worship Him with your whole heart. That means when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it, we're going to praise God. Because it's our praise that will bring about the manifestation. If there's one thing you can do to tick the devil off is you praise him when things are all, hell's breaking loose in your family. Just break out some praise. Hallelujah. Kurt, I want you down here. Somebody go get Christy too, please. Hallelujah. Kurt, come over here. Get on, I want you right here in front. You're going through some things, brother. And it's going to turn around. The devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. I'm telling you, man, we're a family. We pull together, we work together. All right? Sometimes you don't always see and know what people go through because they don't come in here advertising their pain or advertising their hurt. But I can tell you right now, God knows where you're at. And God will help you overcome. He'll provide all your needs. He'll give you what you desire. And we're believing God today that that happens. And I don't know what you're believing God for. I know Sherry's had some stomach issues. The whole family has. I mean, glory to God. But we're believing God that that whole thing gets resolved. But as a whole, we don't really know what everybody's going through. And I like that. Because that way, I can join with you. And then I can praise God with you. And for me to say, I'm going to join my faith with you. And she's going to join her faith with you. That's a big deal. I don't just hook my faith up with anybody. I got to know. I got to know that I know. That's why I'm asking you. I'm being so strong about this. I need you to commit to praise and worship God. If I'm going to join faith with you, I need you to do that. And guys, you guys that are right here right now, this is, this is not you know, time that we just kind of you know, look at what's going on. No, you guys are going to help us. All right? We're standing together. We are a church that stands together. Amen? And we're going to see God bring them out. Because sometimes when you're walking through a valley, you can't see nothing but the valley. Sometimes when you're going through hard times, all you can see is what's, what's hard. But guess what? You call on your faith buddies. You get some faith buddies around you. that they may not typically be going through what you're going through right now. Say, hey, 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 let me tell you. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Set your sights on the king. He's not done. He's going to bring you out. He supplies all your needs. He brings you out. You're an overcomer. You're not going to stay in this. The devil is a liar. We're passing through the valley. We're not living in the valley. Amen? We're going through. Amen? I'm a full testimony of that. Watching him bring her a kidney in less than two months, which is unheard of. That's unheard of in the world of a kidney transplant. God will bring you through. Amen? So let's all just lift up our hands. I'm not going to lay hands on you. This is between you and God. We're hooking up our faith. Father, in the name of Jesus, and I want you to stretch out like you're stretching to heaven. Father, these are your kids. They're your kids. They're your babies in the name of Jesus. And Father God, right now in the name of Jesus, me and my wife, we set ourselves along with this congregation in agreement 
that you are meeting their needs right now, Father God. That there's a turnaround happening right now in the name of Jesus. That once was going one way, we believe right now that in the spirit realm, things are turning around, Father God. You are moving things around. You're shifting things. You're setting up appointments. You're setting up things, Father God, to, to be on the best interest of your kids in the name of Jesus. I pray for each and every one of them, Father God, that their needs are met. I pray that their bodies are healed right now. The great physician touch their body right now in Jesus' name. That they would receive their healing. They would receive their provision in the name of Jesus. They would, free, they would, they would experience their freedom from addictions in Jesus' name. I pray, Father God, that every need they have is met right now by faith in Jesus' name. We are a people that's not moved by what we see. We're moved by what we believe. And you said you would meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory, not ours in Jesus' name. So we agree today that all of the needs are met in this house. All the needs are met of this families, And we thank you, Lord, that it's done in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody that agreed with that just said amen, amen, amen.